Let's get our Bibles and open up to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, that's page 1341 in your pew Bible. Okay, so let's just get a couple ground rules together tonight. First of all, this is sort of a part two to something that I did about a month ago. So this has been brewing in my mind for way too long. Okay, so here's what you need to do. You need to get a pen and something to write on. Because there's some principles here that are going to be very valuable to you. um, And they're not going to come up on the PowerPoint. We're just going to do this straight between me and you. So I want you to be able to write some things down. Okay? Um, We're on part five of our series, uh, Our Magnificent Helper, series on the Holy Spirit. Now, let me remind you a couple things. We're not talking about just the, the Holy Spirit in general. That's, that would be like trying to do a, a, a six or eight week series on God. I mean, it's just impossible. There's too much to say. So we're specifically talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of uh, believers. And we're talking about specific, tangible things, present, active ministry in your life. I, I want tonight especially to be very practical for you and you to be able to walk away with a couple things jotted down on the back of an envelope or a piece of paper or worship guide or something and to be able to just take these things home and apply them to your life now where we started in part one was we talked about you don't need to write any of this down i'm just kind of getting you to where we are we talked about the sealing ministry of the holy spirit and how at the holy spirit brings a guarantee into our life he seals makes things certain in our life okay we We did that in week one. Then we talked about the guiding ministry of the Holy Spirit, how He is the source of our divine wisdom, that when that still small voice um, gives us direction that is beyond our capacity to know and understand, that's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, speaking to our heart and, and leading and guiding us. Then we talked about the empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit in the third week. And we then moved into this uh, discussion that we're going to continue tonight about the sanctifying. uh, How does the Spirit of God sanctify us? And so there's two primary ways that we're sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Part one a month ago was the sin-killing ministry of the Holy Spirit. We talked about how uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8 was the primary text. That's online. You can go back and listen to that. We talked about how the presence of the Holy Spirit kills sin in our life and how it purifies us in that way. All right? So tonight, we're going to talk about the second half of the sanctifying ministry, which is the fruit-bearing ministry. So you've got the sin-killing ministry and the fruit-bearing ministry. So tonight we're talking about the fruit-bearing ministry, Galatians chapter 5, and how producing fruit in our lives. And how does that... I mean, how does that work? What role do we play in that? What does that look like? And so I'm going to give you... Basically, your outline should look like you're going to have two overriding uh, realities... Then under that, I'm going to give you, it's going to be two, three, and three. Two realities. Then we're going to have three three steps to growing in the Spirit. And then three action steps to walking in the Spirit. Okay? And And those will make sense to you. So basically, that's what your outline would look like. Two, three, and three. Let's look together at Galatians chapter 5. We're going to begin reading in verse 16. Galatians 5, beginning in verse 16. The Apostle Paul says, very familiar passage of Scripture. I say then, 
walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, uh, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I have also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, which would provoke one another and cause us to begin to envy one another. So he ends by saying, let's not become conceited or provoking or envying. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on the study of his word. Father, we thank you for your perfect, inerrant word. We receive it as the gift that you intended for it to be tonight. Lord, just help us now to have ears to hear. And Lord, I pray for grace to preach and to uh, speak according to the spirit, Lord, who, that it resides within me. May he be in full control of all of my faculties as I Speak tonight, Lord, that you may be glorified and that exactly what you desire to be said is said. And we'll be grateful and thankful to you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me give you two realities to just sort of uh, lay across this whole giant text that I just read. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, Okay, the first is this. There's a clear and present danger. So number one, reality is going to be a clear and present danger. So what is what do I mean by a clear and present danger? Well, uh, the fact that Paul is discussing with us the presence of this thing he calls the flesh. Okay? What is the flesh? What does Paul mean by the flesh? The flesh is our fallen nature. It is the, it is the part of us that we possessed prior to being redeemed or saved. It's our fallen nature. It's prone to and always easily identified by it's always self-serving and it's always rebellious. Those are two things that are clear about the flesh. It's, it's prone to self-serving and rebellion against God. Uh, that, that man does not naturally uh, follow God nor naturally serve anything other than self. So that's what Paul means by the flesh. Look at verse 17. Paul says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So the clear and present danger is the presence of the flesh that we need to recognize that there's these two uh, entities that are contrary to one another that are within us and therefore create this uh, battle that rages within you and me against these two forces. And uh, I am aware, just as you are, of the areas in my life that uh, the flesh tends to be more active, tends to be more pressing. Uh, I'm also aware, as you are, if you spent some time thinking about this, 
um, you would you would be able to delineate uh, areas of your life where where the spirit is is strong and where the flesh is not uh, a particular hindrance to you. And we're all wired in, in various unique ways. And so we don't all it's 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 different. There's it's the it's a war nonetheless in all of us the same. But it manifests itself and it plays out in different ways. And certainly it's vastly different in men and women. You just need to we understand that. And I think all of us here tonight uh, can understand and relate to that. But just things that we need to be uh, conscious of as we begin to, to look into this. You know, I, I think about how uh, the Spirit uh, is patient and one of the... One of the fruit uh, of the Spirit is patience and how patience is such an ongoing struggle in my life. I really struggle with patience. Uh, there are areas in my life where I tend to, 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 to have great patience and exhibit great yield to uh, the Spirit of God in that area. And, and I find great victory. And then there's other areas of my life where I just find myself to be so incredibly impatient. And I recognize that in me. I recognize that struggle that, that I have in my own life. I, I recognize that uh, as a man, you see, there's some things where patience we might unilaterally struggle. And then there's other things that the men in this room where we, our flesh is, is it, it yields its, its wickedness and its head in an, in a very different way than it does in the in for the most part in the women's lives in this room, and so for example, um, I have absolutely no idea what it's like to walk a second uh, in this world as a as a woman. I wouldn't know. I have no concept whatsoever, and really no desire to find out, and uh, certainly no. Uh, I'm not even going to say that. I was about to get myself in trouble. So edit, check. See, there's, there's, a, there's a little, I yielded to the spirit right there. Okay? So let me, let me just give you like a, a, let me just, you know, I want us to be honest here. And I want us to think this through. So as a man, everyday common uh, scenario, I go into a, a store, which right off the bat, it's not, you know, automatically it's something I'm not, fond of doesn't even matter unless it's you know a tool so then i'm happy if it's you know if i'm but most of the time going to store i'm not excited because i'm going in the store i'm trying to just get what i need and get out that's all i want to do and uh i don't know why but it just it cannot be fast enough for me so i go in a store i'm going to get something but i'm conscious before i even walk in the door now i haven't even walked in and even went to the aisle to get you know, whatever it is I'm in there to get, a, a, some Diet Coke or gum or who knows what, already I'm conscious of that I'm going to eventually land in the checkout aisle and there's going to be these magazines that are just screaming at me in this aisle. They're just screaming. And I don't want to see anything on them. I don't care what's on the the the... The cover, I don't care what it's about. I could care less. It is worthless information that means nothing to me and, and is probably all untrue. And yet, there is this thing inside of me that, that pulls to look. 
And so as I'm going in the store, I'm already angry. I'm angry at the flesh because it's so stupid. It's so ridiculous. It's so, you see, you see what I mean? Like in, a, in, in other areas of my life, I would never feel compelled to look at something that's ridiculous and stupid. Yet, because of the way I'm designed, the, the presence of the flesh in my life, if I'm not careful, you see, I know that turning and looking at that is, is a failure. It's a failure. But what angers me is that I have to focus to stay looking forward. That angers me. I want to I wanna be in the place where I don't have to think about that. I want to be in the place. I, I want to be I want to be a person who could who could say, you know, I don't have to check up. I don't have to check my eyes. I don't have to watch what I'm doing. I don't I don't that doesn't affect me. But you, but you see, the thing of it is, is no, I have to constantly be on guard. And, and all of us in this room, all of us men, we have to constantly be on guard. And we don't it's not comfortable to have this conversation. It's certainly not, you know, it doesn't necessarily bother me to stand up here and talk about this, but I know many of you would feel horribly uncomfortable saying this in front of a group of people. But it's the truth of the matter is, is that it just, I want you to see that we're, we're not playing games here. We're not just going to pretend that, you know, we're talking about this ethereal flesh that's out there. It's a clear and present danger. Okay? And so, here's, here's the way I understand this clear and present danger. I walk into a store with the mentality of those magazines represent to me the first step towards a place I never, ever, 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 ever want to go. So I'm not, that's how serious that is. That's how afraid of the power of the flesh in my life I can be and how conscious I have to be of it all the time. And, and I want you to understand, it is a clear and present danger. And one of the problems that we have with regard to talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is we want to dance around things. Now, I'm not going to speak for you women, but, I'm, but I know that we could stay here all night. And we could just talk about the ways in which the, the flesh attacks us. It attacks us as men. It attacks you as women. It attacks us as married people. It attacks us as parents. It attacks us uh, in, in every employees, in every area of our life. But you know where you're susceptible. And if you don't, you are insane. You need to know. You better know. And don't play that silly game with yourself and try to uh, pretend it doesn't exist because that's basically just yielding uh, to the enemy. It's a mistake. So to be a Christian, let's be clear what I'm talking about, this clear and present danger. To be a Christian is to live with an internal war raging within you. There is no option. There's no way around what I just said. 
I mean, I am definitively telling you that according to Scripture, to be a Christian is to live with a war raging inside of you. Yes, there will come a time in your life where you will reach a certain age, a certain plateau in the, in the waning years of your life that it will change, but it's present. You know that and I know that it is always ever present. As long as you are breathing in this life, there is a war raging within you if you are a child of God. Now, as bad as that may sound to you, that's really good news. Because the bad news is, is if you don't have a war raging within you. Because to not have a war raging within you is catastrophic. It means that you are void of the presence of the Spirit. Because wherever the Spirit is in every human life, in every context, in every shape, form, fashion, doesn't matter what culture, doesn't matter your upbringing, doesn't matter any, it doesn't, nothing, it doesn't matter. If you are a Christian, if the Holy Spirit is present in your life, there's a war raging within you. Period. It is a clear and present danger. And the worst possible situation you could be in tonight is to not have a war raging within you. And so it is beyond me why we work so hard to try to convince everybody that we don't have a war raging within us. It seems to me like uh, we we ought to be far more open and prone to uh, declaring the reality that, no, I'm a child of God. And there's a war raging in my heart every minute of every day. And the spirit and the flesh are contrary to one another. They're clashing. So number one reality, clear and present danger. Number two reality, a clear and present dominion. A clear and present dominion. Now, I want you to notice what Paul says. I mean, there's good news for every one of us here tonight who are uh, children of the Lord that... There's some parameters to this war that are laid out by Paul. Look at verse 16. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you, and this is where you underline, you shall not, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the clear and present danger is, is that to be a Christian is to have a war raging within you. The clear and present dominion is the good news that the scripture gives us clear, definitive way to defeat that which rages within us. That the the power and the dominion does not belong to the flesh, but to the spirit. And that is a wonderful, wonderful reality. He, so he goes on in verse 17 to say, again, the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these things are contrary to one another. But notice how he ends verse 17. So that you do not do the things that you wish. Now, this is interesting to the degree that there are things that you wish to do. So back to my illustration. What infuriates me is that there's some piece that wants to do what I loathe and hate. They're contrary to one another. They're contrary. So it's almost like you... you, you I mean, I've, I've been in situations before where, you know, uh, I've, I've 
been, a, you know, overhearing a conversation or maybe been involved in a conversation where someone uh, says something about another person that is just clearly inappropriate gossip. And you can see is, that the minute it leaves their mouth, the remorse and the regret and their wish to retract what they just said. And it's almost this bizarre frustration of, I've got this juicy news that I so long to, to share. I know it's wrong. I knew it was wrong when I said it, but I said it anyway. What is, I mean, what, what is that? drives me crazy and it should drive you crazy but the the reason that it drives me crazy is that it's there and that it aggravates and annoys me but i rejoice tonight in the fact that i don't have to i don't have to yield to it that that the scripture clearly in verses 16 and 17 what paul is telling us is is that the main description of a christian's life is that we're going to be at war But it's not the complete description. The complete description of the Christian's life is that we're going to be in victory. So we're in war, but we're in victory. Victory is always there for the for the grasping. That's what's so wonderful about being a child of God. Um, So once the spirit has come into a life, victory is always, always available and attainable. You see, that's what Paul says in verse 16. Notice, he's just making a definitive blanket statement. He's not giving any qualifications to that whatsoever. You can plug in any struggle, any issue, any scenario you want to, and it fits right into verse 16. It, it, It applies. It covers it. That there's no place in your life where victory in the Spirit is not available or attainable. Now, that ought to be... uh worth getting excited about that you see you don't we don't have to lose there's no that there's no you know that the the flesh can't put us in checkmate it's impossible we always have within our grasp victory that's why we need to be practical with the rest of this time that we have tonight so that we can practically lay out now how is it that we attain this victory what do we do specifically practically to to grow in the spirit so i'm going to give you three steps to grow in the spirit or three you know just three ways that the spirit takes us through and grows us in the spirit okay the first of that is is that the spirit and only the spirit gives life you see to live as a believer the bible sees us uh before salvation as dead, dead to sin. And then at conversion, we go from death to life. And that is expressed in a multitude of ways in all sorts of different places in Scripture. Whether it be our citizenship is conveyed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, or that we, or Jesus saying that we must be born again. But life is, is given only by the Spirit. True life. To be alive is to is to be uh, is to be a Christian, and there's no other way. So look, notice what Paul says in verse 25: If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, when Paul says "live by the Spirit" or "live in the Spirit," he he's, he doesn't mean day to day, moment by moment. 
That's what he means when he says walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit is step by step, day by day. Live in the Spirit is is have life in the Spirit, to be alive, to be born again. That's where life comes from. So life is granted to us by the atoning work of the Son of God, but it it we're reborn in the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit that gives life. So you're alive tonight as a child of God because of the Spirit that's within you. Life comes, the new birth through the Spirit. Notice Jesus says, John chapter 3, a familiar verse of Scripture. He says, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Remember this conversation he's having with Nicodemus in John chapter 3? And he says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now remember, Nicodemus is confused about, he's asking questions like, wait a minute, how can someone who's born be reborn? I mean, how is that going to work? How, I mean, what do you mean? Re- I'm already born. I'm having a conversation with you. And the way Jesus explains what he's talking about is by showing Nicodemus that it's the Spirit of God that brings life. It's, it's the Spirit. Remember he says, you're not born of water, but by the Spirit. See, when you're originally born, you're born by water. But then when you're reborn, born again, you're born by the Spirit. Uh, if you flip back to Galatians chapter 3, you'll see Paul will say the same thing. Uh, to the Galatians, where he says in verse 2, Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And he says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? See, you've begun in the Spirit. You've been granted life in the Spirit. Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? So he's scolding them because they're reverting back to their old ways. And he's saying, What, what are you doing, O oh foolish Galatians? What, what are you doing? Life comes by the Spirit. Paul says in in verse 24, he says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Hmm. So, though the flesh is dead, it's still kicking around. You see, the Bible says that when the Spirit comes in, when life is granted, the flesh is crucified. But yet, the two are still present and they're contrary to one another. Now, how does this work? So though the Spirit's there, the Spirit's been ultimately defeated. But it's still flopping around. And so here's what's so frustrating or what should frustrate us so much about uh, or, or remind us or illustrate to us, if you will, of how frail we are. I don't want to burst your bubble, but since mine's already bursted, we might as well all be on the same page, right? Have you ever considered the fact that when you yield to the flesh, you've succumbed to a crucified nemesis? I mean, you, you haven't even given in to an alive, fully functioning enemy. That we're so 
pathetic at times, so shallow in so many areas of our lives. That you see, I, I want you to leave here tonight and, and share my frustration with myself. I want you to be frustrated with yourself. I want you to think about areas of your life where you're weak to the flesh and realize how just obscenely ridiculous that is. That with, the, with, with what we possess, the fact that we, we struggle so, it just is... is it's ridiculous. It's dead. And yet in its, in its flopping capacity, it would be like, you know, being terrified that you're going to be attacked by this chicken that's running around with its head cut off. It's headless. I mean, I can understand that could be kind of scary. But come on, how's it going to hurt you? It doesn't have a head. It's just, you know, it's like when you kill a snake. It's flopping for a while and its mouth is moving. But let's face it, it's sawed in half. Just give it a minute. You know, it's not going to jump up and, and, you know, grab you by the forehead. It's, it's dead. It just hasn't fully taken its, you know, death hasn't taken its full effect. And so the Spirit gives life. What's the second step that the Spirit takes us through? And that is the Spirit gives leadership. Spirit's going to give us life. Then the Spirit's going to come along and begin to give us leadership. That's going to be the next thing we're going to experience in, in the Spirit. This is how Paul deals with these things. In verse 18, he says, Now, if you're led by the Spirit, then you're not under the law. So now he's transitioned to, we're going to, we're going to get life in the Spirit, but we're also going to be led by the Spirit. And so when we follow Him, when we follow the Spirit, fruit is then going to be produced. So... Fruit is never produced in our own strength. Fruit is only produced by following His leadership. So when fruit, when the fruit of the Spirit is produced in your life, God produces the Spirit. God the Holy Spirit produces fruit in your life by leading you, but by you obeying the leadership of the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit leads, but then you follow. So if you say to me now, so if the Spirit is the, uh, is the, if the Spirit produces the fruit, if my works don't produce the fruit, and it's just the Spirit, then I'll just sit down and do nothing, and then fruit would be produced in my life? And I say, no. Your works don't produce the fruit, what produces the fruit? Your following produces the fruit. Your following. Not your works, not your striving, but your following. Now, now let, me, let me just break this down a little bit. Hold on, what's the difference? Don't, I mean, it, we're getting kind of, it's just semantics here. No, it's not. How hard is it if I say to you, okay, I want you to, you know, help me perform this task. Okay, what's the task? I want you to build this thing. Here's what I want you to build. And then I dump a bunch of random building supplies in a pile and a bunch of tools there and go, there you go. That's what I want you to build. And then I walk away. That's, that's kind of a difficult task. You don't really have a lot of information. You don't have any blueprints. You don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't even know how to do that. I mean, it's kind of a struggle. That's hard. That's going to take effort. That's going to... But if I say, hey, can you just help me? Like, I'm going to build it just... You hold it, okay, nail it there, do this. I'll tell you what to do, just do that. 
There's no striving in that. There's no striving in following. You just go where you're led. So where the Spirit goes, you just lead. You're not, you're not gritting your teeth and struggling and stressing out trying to figure out. Now, how do you just follow? You know what the easiest thing in the world to do is just follow. You tell your kids, you go in the store, you say, look, you stay right there and you follow me everywhere I go. You'd think you were asking them to rewrite the Constitution of the United States. Just follow me. Go everywhere. Okay, all I want you to do is follow me. And that, it's simple. Just go everywhere. That's all the, the leadership of the Spirit saying, just follow. I'll lead. You simply follow. And when, you're, when you follow, you're not under the law. And fruit is going to be produced in your life. And so... You, you see that verse 16 is saying you, you walk by the Spirit. Verse 25 is saying walk by the Spirit. There's this, well, you walk by the Spirit by following the Spirit's leadership. You're, you're following where the Spirit's going. So the Spirit's going to give, number one, life. The Spirit's going to give, number two, leadership. And then the third thing that the Spirit's going to accomplish in our life, He's going to give results. He's going to give results. There's going to be results that that are produced from that. So producing fruit is what the Spirit does. Okay? So in that, to the degree that fire is hot and water is wet, the Holy Spirit produces fruit. If you stick your hand in fire, it will get burned. It's not maybe going to get burned. It's not kind of going to get burned. It's not a, if the, it's certain. No, it doesn't matter what circumstance are going on around. If you stick your hand in fire, it's going to get burned. If you stick your other hand in water, it's going to get wet. The Holy Spirit, if you walk in the Holy Spirit, he's going to produce fruit. That's what he does. It's just who he is. It's the, it's the automatic, consistent, Always, ever-present character and nature of God, the Holy Spirit. He produces fruit. That's what He does. No one at any time, any place, anywhere, according to Scripture, walks in the Spirit and doesn't produce fruit. Impossible. So, that begs the question, well, how are we doing in, in our fruit production? Is the fruit of the Spirit evident in your life? Which brings me back to, you know, when I struggle with patience, what's the problem? The problem is me. The problem's not that, that the flesh is, is, is so, uh, powerful that, and, and, and cunning and wise that he's outsmarting me. No, that's not it. He's crucified. He's flopping around like a chicken with no head. The problem is me. The problem is, is that I'm not following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I'm not bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit leads. And when we walk in the Spirit, fruit is produced. That's how it works. I mean, it's not, it's just not that complicated. It's just not that complicated. Paul breaks it down. Jesus breaks it down. For example, uh, Jesus says in John chapter 15. Now, now think about this. You've heard this a million times and you think about what it says. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What does he say about the, the person who abides in him? Does he say you might produce fruit? You may produce fruit. It's a possibility. He says, no, you, you'll be fruitful. 
If you abide in Him. Now, Jesus is saying that. So now, remember what we said last time we were together. I mean, I'm sure you've all memorized everything I said a month ago. Whose spirit are we talking to when when we're saying, am I mixing apples and oranges? You know, no pun intended. No, whose spirit? What does Paul say? Galatians 4, verse 6. One of the many places the scripture says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. It's the, it's Jesus spirit. It's so the, when he says you abide in me, you'll produce fruit. That's abiding. That's walking in the spirit. That's what that is. You'll produce fruit. It's not, it's not conditional. It's not. It's not, you know, maybe we have to do this, we have to do that. I mean, listen, when, when you, when, when Chuck walks outside to pick all of those luscious squash uh, uh, plants and then bring them to my house so I get to eat them, and they are fabulous. When he goes out there to, to get the fruit out of his garden... I've never been there when he goes out there to harvest. Never in my life. I've never been at Butch's house when Butch goes out there to harvest things out of his garden. Never in my life. But I know certain things that are true about it. I know that neither one of them ever went out to their garden and and seen plants out there just grunting, trying to produce fruit like, you know, never seen it. Never seen the ground quivering like going, trying to, you know, get a squash to pop off a vine. Never happened. Every time they go out there, it's calm, just like always. Nobody's stressed out. They're just, the breeze is going, the leaves are fluttering, things are happening, and look at there. There's fruit there. Just like that. That's what, that's how the Spirit of God works in our lives. We, we, we don't, we don't, we don't, it's not through effort. It's not, we don't, we don't grind out fruit production. Mm-mm. It's, it's reverse thinking. You want to, you want to be a powerhouse in the, in the spirit of God? Then forget everything you know about being a powerhouse and just yield completely. Submit ultimately and you're going to produce unbelievably. It's reverse. The harder you try, the worse you're going to do, the less productive you're going to be. But the more you submit, the more you just uh, yield. So let me give you three final things. These are three practical takeaways for you to walk in the spirit. Just three simple things that I believe if you just take these three things, apply them to your life, you'll you'll see uh, tremendous just consciousness of what's going on around you and how to be productive in in living in the spirit to see to see great harvest to see great harvest because listen this this is so important in our lives it's so very important number one pay attention to the spirit pay attention I, i honestly think that the biggest problem that we have is that so many Christians just ignore the Spirit. The Spirit of God is, is indwelling them. The love of God has been shed abroad on their heart. I mean, He's active and working in their life, and they just ignore what He's saying. 
and just totally go on about their way. And then there's no, there's no fruit in their life. And, and people are scratching their head, you know, wondering. I mean, it, it's an astonishing thing. Undoubtedly, there's been at some point in your life, you've had this scenario play out. Maybe it's been with, with, with one of your children or somebody you know or something. But if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, this has happened to you where you've had a conversation with somebody. This happens to me all the time. People come to me, they go, Pastor, I just got this problem. Here's what's going on. So they start telling me about this problem. Now I'm listening and I'm thinking about what they're saying. And I'm thinking in my head, I'm, I'm trying to figure out now, who are we talking about here? What do I know about this person, right? Now, here's what is so unthinkable to me. Is when I get to a place and I go, I know this person. I've been around this person. Maybe I've known them for a span of time, number of years. And I, I don't know if they're saved. That is Astonishing. I mean, what if, what, what if, I, I don't know if I could think of a worse thing that could be said about me than if someone said, I, I don't know if he's saved. I mean, if, if you're a Christian, My goodness gracious, if anyone who knows you cannot see and identify the fruit of the Spirit in your life, we have got a colossal problem. Colossal. And it is that either you're not saved or you are ignoring the Spirit. It's ignoring. It's just a non-issue. And I'm telling you that... That's the crazy kind of conversations that I have. I have wives tell me, I don't know if my husband's saved. I have husbands say, I don't know if my wife is saved. Think about the magnitude of that statement. You live with someone and you don't know, you can't see. That's scary. That's what is possible when you just ignore the Spirit. Just ignore Him. I'm not the judge of any man's heart. I don't know. Maybe they're saved, maybe they're not. But here's what. They're clearly, if they are saved, they're ignoring the Spirit. Because if they weren't ignoring the Spirit, we'd be able to see. Right? Yes. I mean, come on. It's not, it's not rocket science. So number one, pay attention to the Spirit. Pay, be attentive to what the Spirit's saying. If you don't know what the Spirit's voice says... If you don't know what it sounds like, then I'd leave here tonight and my number one goal would be, buddy, this week I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn to recognize the Spirit's voice in my, in my life. And it's real easy to spot Him. He always says what's opposite of the flesh. I mean, come on, folks. How hard is it to figure out? Right? How many times have I, have I said to you? you? You go, well, I just don't know. I mean, I feel like this, but I don't know if it's the devil trying to condemn me or lie to me or if it's the Spirit. And I'm going, 
Huh? What? What What do you mean you don't know? How could you not know? If the voice is leading you to righteousness, it's not the devil. If the voice is leading you to righteousness, it's the spirit. If the voice in your head is leading you to do what you naturally would not do, it's the spirit. If it's leading you to do what you naturally would want to do, it's the flesh. I mean, you go, well, I've got this voice in my head that wants me to go left. and I've got this voice in my head that wants me to go right. And I don't know which one to listen to. Well, what does the Bible say about that? Because the spirit is always going to agree with the spirit. Right? Yeah. So you got to pay attention. Okay? That's the first thing. Number two. Almost done. Number two. Believe what the spirit says. See, the first thing is you got to listen. But you're not home free yet. Because then you condition yourself to listen. You're paying attention. But then you got to believe it. Because hearing is only the first step. The second step is now that you've heard, you've got to believe it. Because here, here's the reason why. You would think, well, now this would just be obvious. No, it's not. And here's why. Because the Spirit so oftentimes in my life says things to me that don't make sense to me. And if you start playing this analyze analytical game about this and about that, you're, you know, then, well, oh, well. You're just yielding to the flesh. You've got to believe what the Spirit says. So once you learn to hear from God, you learn to hear the, the voice of the Spirit within you, then when the Spirit speaks, you believe it. You believe that it's true. You go, I don't understand how that can happen. I don't understand how I'm going to get there. I don't understand all the details about how that's going to work out. There's so many things about that I don't understand. But I believe that it's true. I believe that is true. Now, is that not the exact conversation that we had this morning, Bill Schroeder? Is it not the exact conversation that we had? Me and Bill are talking and, and uh, Wade and uh, whoever else was in the men's prayer time. Richard was in there. We were talking about different things. And uh, Bill started talking about uh, the night that God saved his wife. And here's what he said. I'm not going to go into all the details. That's for him to share. It's an amazing story. But I'm just going to give you the part that pertains to this. There they are in church. And Sandy has not been... uh, Bill's saved and he's born again. And Sandy's a little resistant and has already made clear to him, you know, that she's not 100% on board with everything that's going on. And so there they are. And there's a revival service. And they're over here in this building. and, And... uh, it gets to the invitation and the invitation keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and people are getting saved and it keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And so Bill says, I begin to, I, I begin to feel in my heart, maybe tonight's the night. Maybe, not, maybe she's going to get saved tonight. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And then he says this, he goes, and then the spirit said to me, he said, she's sitting at the end of the pew right by the aisle. And he's thinking, you know, that's perfect. She can just whip out. He's got all this going in his mind. And so he's thinking, do I say something to her? 
Do I say, hey, I'll go down there with you? Do I, you know, what do I, how do I? And then he hears the Spirit say to him, I don't need your help with this. Just watch me work. Now, here's what I'm not putting. This is what he told me this morning. He said, he said, and I sat there and thought to myself, I don't see how God can do this. Exactly. I'm not asking you to see how God can do it. God's not. All God's saying is, believe what the Spirit says. So here's what he does. He, he didn't do anything. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. And the invitation goes like, you know, forever. And it's coming to an end. And he's just sitting there. He's standing there and he's just thinking, Lord, you know, I believe you. And here I am. And he said, about that time, she didn't go out and come down the aisle. She went the long way across all the people, got everyone out of her way to get to the center aisle of that little church after all that had gone on and came down front and God saved her. You got to believe when the Spirit speaks. The Spirit's not going to say things. God's ways aren't your ways. They're not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. So, so listen, you make a, a absolute fatal mistake in bringing your human logic into the wisdom of, of an almighty God. You better pay attention and believe. And number three, obey what the Spirit says. You see, just believing is not the, is not the culmination. You've got to pay attention to the Spirit. You've got to learn His voice. You've got to know what He's saying. Then you've got to believe that what He says is true, even if you don't understand it. But then you have to obey what He says. You have to obey it. Because understand that in the moment of you, there's a lot of things that you can believe are true and yet not do. Right? Right? Just because you believe something to be true doesn't mean you're going to act upon it, does it? Well, no. Of course not. I mean, if that were the case, think of the pandemonium that would immediately uh, arise in your life. You think you, you walk into the bank, you go, you know what? I believe that it's true that this bank has more money in the vault than I have in my pocket. That's true. Therefore, I'm going to rob it. Bad idea. See, it doesn't mean you need to act upon something that's true. Well, when the Spirit speaks, you want to pay attention. You want to believe that it's true, but then you want to obey. Obey what He says. Obey the way He, he, he speaks. Listen, again, here's what Paul says in, back in chapter 3 of Galatians. To the same group of people, I mean, in, in the same letter, he says, "Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law, or by hearing, by hearing of faith? How did you, how did you get here? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, that you're now going to be made perfect in the flesh?" So he says, "Listen, you received the Spirit how? By faith. What does that mean? By believing that the Spirit of God is true, and then by." Following through. It was faith. Faith is, is believing. Faith is responding. Faith is you put your faith in something, you believe it, you respond in it. You can believe that the chair will hold up your weight, 
all day long. But until you sat in it, you haven't put your faith in that chair, have you? Right. I mean, who cares if you believe with everything in your heart that you can walk across a tightrope across Niagara Falls? Until you do it, your faith has not been validated in your ability to be able to do that. And so he says, well, how did that happen? By uh, it happened or did it happen? Not by the works of the law, by the by the hearing of faith. And then he goes on to say in verse five, therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So how how do these how do these amazing, miraculous things happen in our lives? They happen when we pay attention to the Spirit, when we believe the Spirit, and when we obey the Spirit. That's it. Let, let, me, let me tell you, I don't know of, of, of anything that I could say to you tonight of any greater importance in this room right here. You are faithful, devoted Wonderful people who sincerely have a heart to know and follow a living God. What a tragedy. What a tragedy it would be if you endeavor to take take upon yourself any arena of your life, any arena of your life apart from the fruit producing ministry of the Holy Spirit. How, how insane would it be for me to endeavor to be a good husband to my wife if the fruit of the Holy Spirit wasn't present in our relationship? How insane would it be for you to endeavor to, to, to go out into, into the workplace and, and be productive tomorrow, void of the presence of the Holy Spirit? I wouldn't make a decision. I wouldn't, I wouldn't endeavor uh, upon any journey in my life. I, w- I mean, I would not even consider, wouldn't even consider doing anything of any relevance or importance in my life apart from considering God, what do, you, what, do you, what do you feel about this? You're the Lord. You're the, I'm not the Lord. You're the Lord. Don't you, don't you think, and then I'm done, but don't you, I'm looking around this room. My mind is racing. I'm thinking of all of the, 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 the unique ways in which the Spirit of God is concerned about such minute, small little details that, that are going on in all of your lives that I know about, that God's, God's working in just, just little things, everyday things. You wake up every day, don't think twice about it. And the Spirit of God, listen, He's not silent about those things. No way. No way. Don't ignore Him. Listen, he's, he's, tell, he's talking to you about, about what's happening at, your, at work. He's talking to you about, about your relationships with the people you love. He's talking to you about, about that, a financial decision that you're considering making. He's talking to you about, listen, he, that this is where, don't you, wouldn't you want divine wisdom? You, you think that you just, 
You, th- you think that a, 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 a born-again child of God that possesses the Spirit of God within them, do you think that when you walk out that door tomorrow morning to go do whatever it is you're going to do, you, you don't think that, that the Spirit of God has active, divine, supernatural wisdom available to you regarding the simple things about your day, I, I guarantee you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, He does please, please, please pay attention to Him. Sometimes He says the craziest things to me. And they're some of my absolute favorite ways to brag on God. I mean, they're just crazy. And it, and it just wigs people out. But I love it. And so I'm zinging down the road. Got a million things on my mind. And I'm, I've got a couple errands to run. And I have absolutely no intention. You know, I need to... I need to buy a 12-pack of Diet Coke. And there's a place right there that I always stop and get it. And suddenly I'm prompted to go to this other place. Now, listen, it's going to take more time. It's going to burn more gas. It makes utterly no sense. And Why would I do that? But I know that voice. And so I just drive on past the sensible stop for me and go right on to that other place. I pull up. I'm looking around. Hmm. I go in. I'm looking around. People probably think I'm weird. I'm thinking, well, I didn't want to come here, but here I am. So I go over there, get my Diet Coke, put it in the buggy. I'm going out. I pay for it. I'm thinking, hmm. Go out, get, get in the park. I'm just about to pull out, and all of a sudden a car pulls up next to me. Bingo. Somebody that I haven't seen, somebody that I've been wanting to talk to, an opportunity that God's placed before me. And I turn my car off, get out and say, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. What's been going on? And God gave me an opportunity. Listen, all because you're paying attention. You, you think, well, why would the God of the universe care where I buy Diet Coke? Because he cares infinitely about people. And you and me are his mechanism, his hands and feet. And the way he's going to direct you to his people is by the Spirit of God that's speaking to you, that's going to produce these amazing fruit in your life when you just listen for him and believe him and obey him. Let's stand. Father, we thank you tonight, God, for the glorious, uh, unspeakable goodness that you've shown to us in the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is such a blessing to us, Lord. And God, I can freely confess tonight that there has been far more times in my life that I have not heard, that I have not believed, and that I have not obeyed than I have. And Lord, the longing of my heart tonight before you is to be on an ever, uh, an ever constant journey to be more and more in tune with what He has to say.
Because, Lord, the most glorious moments in my life are moments when I have yielded, listened, believed and obeyed the wonderful voice of His His leading and His guiding in my life. And I thank You for the Spirit of God. I thank You tonight for my brothers and sisters. I pray that You'd take what we've heard tonight and You'd multiply it in our lives, God. That we'd be a people who walk in the power of the Spirit, not in the lust of the flesh. God, that we would not deceive ourselves uh, into thinking that there is not a war, but we would not deceive ourselves as well into believing that our enemy is so formidable and so cunning that we cannot defeat him. Thank you, Lord, tonight that the dominion and the power belongs to you. And that for those of us that are born again, sons and daughters of a living God, victory is always available and attainable to us. And so we thank you, Father. Be glorified as we just respond to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.